I am tempted by the uh, complete selection modification O's driver. What's all in it? All the metals, even the ones that were un for unused sounds. Uh, there are new Akira Kushida uh, jingles for the combos using those uh, previously unused metals. Uh, oh, and it also comes with a uh, Poseidon driver. What's that? Uh, really Common Rider cool. Poseidon from uh, uh, Mega Max. I don't remember. Yeah, it was really boring. Well, I think you should get it. The the one who got those medals from uh, old future Kogami. Of course she's going to buy it. She buys everything. It doesn't ring a bell, but I'll trust you on it. Mickey probably hated that movie. I mean, it stands to reason Mickey hates most movies. I'm not saying he's wrong about that. I'm just saying he hates most movies. <laughs> no. See, it also comes with the Foundation X medals from the movie that we can't see yet. The what? Foundation, the new medals made by Foundation X. No, I'm wanting the movie we can't see yet. Yeah. It's not out yet? Uh, you can see it if you're in Japan. Oh, Heisei Generation Final? Yeah. Why didn't you say so? I couldn't remember the title. <sighs> this is the worst Toku podcast. Podcasts, the final frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission? Explore old episodes of Star Trek alienate even more listeners, and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek. With Chris. Farmax, don't take this question the wrong way, because you know I love you, but like, why are you here? Hey, Mickey. She's not getting any penetration even with the elephant phaser. Scott. Happy now, Fort Max. I've done the Holocaust thing. And Fort Max. It was because I didn't love you. Good energy tonight. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still just basking the fact that I got to make two Guernica jokes in one day, so, you know. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed by all that. I was, I was kind of shocked to see... Uh... No, no, wait, wait. Are, did you put that artwork up to point out like good art, or are you make sure to make a point that that Picasso is way overrated and really sucks? Picasso's not way overrated. Oh, okay. I just didn't know where you were going with that. And if you're like, here's an example of something that everyone likes that I hate, or like, is a reference to actually good art. I wasn't sure. No, it's a reference to Ray being the best at everything that she does immediately. If only there was a term for that. <laughs> oh no, you can't call Ray a Mary Sue on the internet. You'll be killed. Yeah, well, I'm hoping... Well, one thing I'm glad about the new movie coming out, uh, at least we'll be able to go, see, I fucking told you she was a Mary Sue, or we go, oh, okay, well, there's a reason for all this bullshit. So if this next movie doesn't answer... Counterpoint. 
Yeah. Could be something in between. Could be she's written well in this movie and written shitty in the first movie. Eh, I, I think that's. No, I don't. I don't think that'll be the case at all. <laughs> right, that might be the outlier. Now I will say, uh, Ray at least in the first movie is no. I Ray is indeed no more Mary Sue than Luke was in A New Hope, by which I mean extremely. <laughs> I don't know. He was a total loser. The first one, he annoyed everybody. Nobody liked him. They told him to shut up. He was a moisture farmer. He only survived out of pure luck and chance. I don't think he was a Mary Sue at all. Han Solo oh, told... you used to shoot rats? Good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. Counter, counterpoint to that, though. At that point, they needed every warm body that knew how to flew a ship, knew how to fly a ship, to send them on a death mission to, you know, the Death Star. Right, exactly. They didn't pick him because he was the best. They like, picked him because he was there. <laughs> it's the same reason that like rodents have 25 babies at a time. They know that 99% of them are going to die, but that one that survives, to, you know... Because Luke keeps shooting them in his T-16. <laughs> right. But that one I... that survives to reproduce again, that's the one that counts. I think that was racist as fuck against Tatooineites. <laughs> Isn't Tatooine... it Tatooinians? Tatooineans. sand people. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy no, sand people. No, it's just Jawas. <laughs> yeah, fuck Jawas. Jawas, otherwise oh, known as Aboriginal Tatooinians. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you have to assume that's the, you have to assume that's the case. Like the the human looking people probably just settled there later for some stupid reason. Yeah, it, it is so hilarious to me when you read extended universe Star Wars stuff how they try to explain shit like that. <laughs> I prefer not to. No, no, yeah, it's totally useless. It's just fucking hilarious when they try to. That's what I'm okay, saying. <laughs> here, here's the thing about me. I don't oh, like Star Wars. I enjoy watching the original three movies, but I don't like Star Wars as a media franchise or property or whatever you want to call it. Why not? Oh, I also like a couple of the video games, but I mean, I have no... Well, sure. I have no caring for Star Wars as a property. It does not do anything for me, and most of it seems incredibly stupid and contrived. Before you even get to the prequel trilogy. In the expanded universe up until the prequels came out. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, say that again? I like the first six movies in the expanded universe until the prequels came out. Oh. Okay. So, So, four, five, six, the two Ewok movies and the holiday special. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the real first six. Um, So, wait, so, XV, let me get this straight. You have a problem with the entire fate of of the galaxy with its hundreds of thousands of stars and millions of planets uh, coming down to a family of about six people who know each other? I mean, I'm not saying inherently that the Alabama principle is wrong. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Just, you know, it's kind of contrived. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the fact that everyone's fucking related to one another. So, yeah, fucking, it's kind yeah. of like space, Alabama. <laughs> or a Sentai. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. So, hey, so, which red would Luke be? Oh dear, uh, Alta. Go say red. That's the thing that I'd never liked. Although he doesn't have that... enough neck for that, really. That's true because a lot of does have a sister too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh. and the ears and the buns could be considered equivalent. That might work better than I thought it would. And then go say not, it could be Han Solo. Ah. 
This is horrible, and I hate ourselves. <laughs> or would would Han Solo be Gose Black and Gose Yellow is Chewbacca? Eh. So who would be Gose Blue? Maybe Gose Blue is Chewbacca, being so tall. Yeah. Yeah. And generally, you know, in a foul mood. And then Obi Wan would be Gose Green. Oh, because he's dead, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And then Blade Run is Darth Vader because he was one of them and then fell to the dark side. Yeah, this all works very disturbingly perfectly. <laughs> Shit. I believe, see, I'm, I believe I'm depressed now. Yeah, see, Star, Star Wars... Wars yeah, Star Wars is basically... Yeah, so now you have to like Star Wars. Oh, no, uh, actually no. I don't. <laughs> actually I don't because I, I, I loathe Ghost Ager. Oh, okay. I <laughs> so again, this works out perfectly. <laughs> oh, okay. so this just reconfirms, this reiterates what you've already decided to be true. And yes. plus, I know all the monsters in Ghost Sager are named after movies. And, and the Star Wars trilogy is nothing but rip alpha other movies. So, and the first villain group was the War Star. That so might be a little too on the nose at that point. Netflix, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, we've got plenty of show to talk about tonight. So much. Too much. Since we uh, kind of skipped over Orville last week, since only me and Scott had seen it. Oh. Well, funny thing about that is, um, I kind of forgot Orville existed. Oh, okay. <laughs> last week's episode was actually pretty good. I should watch it then at some point. Because, uh, like, remember um, Planet Reddit and how that could ostensibly be considered a character episode for um, uh, Lamar? Lamar? Lamar, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so last week's episode was actually a character development episode for Lamar. Uh, but it was all on the ship, so there was no stupid planet gimmick to make him look like a fool and get in the way of the whole works. Okay. It's actually like what we should have had, you know, six episodes earlier in the season. Or, you know, some point earlier than we got Oh, wait, it. no, I did watch this episode. This is the one where they Jordy him. Yeah, yeah but they... they also, you know, make him be more than just, like, the wise-ass sitting at the helm. Yeah, and yeah, explains they why. Do, does that mean the that they shoot him the over and over? Yeah. So do they shoot him over and over, or uh, <laughs> do the, or uh, or does he uh, create a holographic girlfriend for himself? Well, now, come on, it's only the first season. No, they take the unnecessary black guy on the bridge and shove him down in the basement where they can give him a character to be. Just it's... like Jordy. Yeah, well, I mean, we see how well that worked out for Jordy. Yeah, and Jordy became a great, endearing character because of that. And he's probably the best engineer in Starfleet, as far as I'm concerned. Tell no, Scotty fantastic. is. The Scotty well, I mean... thing that Jordy can, but is it drunk? <laughs> Yeah, I cannot argue with that. <laughs> that is rock solid. Also, he constantly fires the phasers. And he was Jack the Ripper for a while. Oh, and he uh, killed a hooker. I mean, that's that's something Jordy will never be able to claim. No. 
happy. I was actually really happy with last week's episode of Orville. And the uh, the Being that it actually finale. took time to it's develop it. one of its characters in some way. Well, it also explained why he is the way he is. Yeah. You know, that's why it wasn't just a, oh, here's a thing. Here's some random facts about a person. It was like, oh, this actually explains his personality. This is why he acts the way that he does. Yeah. Even, and which, I, which, which was good. Uh, well, no? they, they tried. I mean, maybe they could have but done the better. The problem I have with it is that it feels like they just sort of wrote it out of nowhere. Like, there's nothing leading up to that that feeling like it was earned. To be fair, the character hasn't really had much of a chance this season. Yeah, I'm saying it goes against what they've established for him. I'm just saying it doesn't seem that brilliant of a way to expand his characters. More feels like all of a sudden they just gave him a brand new character on top of what he already was. I mean, you may be on you may be on it with this Jordy comparison because, like, at least now he's somewhere where he can do more stuff than just sit there and fly the ship. Like he's got more of a chance. Jokes. Although yeah. they still make him do that, which is really funny. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean... Is there more than two qualified pilots on the ship? Well, he was a navigator, so... That's just pilot by another name, Scott. If you say so. It smells just as sweet. <laughs> I mean, they did call him up to the bridge to fly the ship when they had, um, what's name, go fly a shuttle. So yeah, he's a pilot. Ensign Bangs? Oh no, that was in TNG, never mind. Or was that TNG or was that something else? <laughs> what was that in? What, the one from Rascals? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, oh, TNG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right, because Riker calls her that, and that's like a harassment suit waiting to happen. <laughs> okay. My name is Lieutenant Bangs, but when you say it, it creeps me out. <laughs> Just call me Lieutenant. It's fine. This week's Orville, I'm kind of eh on. That was really good. I liked it a lot. Except it lifted its plot from Voyager, basically. Well, you know, there's been almost a hundred years of popular media, so. <laughs> but I mean, so why choose Voyager? <laughs> and they chose something from twenty years ago. They chose something shitty from twenty years ago. And that was the season finale too. This past week. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, that's the note to go out on. <laughs> I swear to God, you fucking people. <laughs> we are, we're going out on Voyager as well. <laughs> yeah, but we're doing it on purpose to make Ken feel bad. I just really hope that for season two of Orville, they replace the Doctor with some like really old, unlikable person. <laughs> Why, are, are, are you wanting to get into acting? Oh, oh. oh I said unlikable. <laughs> Not they admirable should... and handsome. They should get mm. Shatner. Well, that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine if he walked on set? <laughs> the internet, the world would lose its collective shit. We would forget about everything for about ten minutes. <laughs> that would be awesome. They should just hire the cast of Axonar to reprise their roles. That would be weird. 
Well, of course, it'd be even more shitty to do that for, you know, Discovery, but whatever. I see your point. Hmm. So, uh, about the uh, TNG episode we're going to watch. So, we, who who picked this and why? I believe Mickey picked this several picked weeks it? ago. <laughs> okay, all right. So, okay, we got that down. So, we know who. Now, I want to know why. Because this episode's just kind of weird. It's like, it's equal parts stupid and good. I completely agree with that assessment. Yeah. There are certain scenes you're like, man, this is brilliant. Some scenes you're like, what the fuck is going well, on? Well, that's because, like, half of it's edited like garbage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The parts that aren't are better than the parts that are edited badly. I know this is a yeah. shock to those of you with no, like, cinematography background, but that's, you know, that's just kind of how it works. Yeah, I'm just really impressed. They actually got a camera out in the space on a spaceship to film these real people doing this stuff. I was yeah. really impressed by that. Well, Mickey, you're responsible for this, so, uh, Scott. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I don't really right. care which one of you does it. Just you know, let's let's get going. Okay. Well, well should we like draw the short straw, or have already done that in life? I've already done that. Okay. Done okay. Several times a day. <laughs> hey, it's been a while since I've been a teenager, or in my twenties, <clears throat> or early thirties. Yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, or, or unmarried. Um, all right, so... Okay. Yeah, so... The, God damn the, it. <laughs> the episode opens up with Riker turning to Zap Brannigan, which I fucking love. Yes. All right, so this is Star Trek Next Generation, Season 2, Episode 15, Pen Pals. Yeah, it's kind of bold to name the episode after the C-plot. Oh, my God. All right, so so... So what about Zap Brannigan? You wanna wanna? Well, Riker's turned to Zap Brannigan here at the beginning. Like this is geology, not malevolence. These planets live fast and die hard. The question is why. <laughs> well, I also like that there's also a variation of shooting down Worf. Because like they're oh. flying into these this uncharted system and they find, huh, that planet's been destroyed and turned into an asteroid belt. So of course Worf's first question is, do you think someone shot it to death? Should I be concerned? Do I need to raise shields? Can I arm torpedoes? Red alert! Red alert! There could be something cloaked. Yeah. Uh, also, Worf comes really close to killing one of the most unlikable characters in Star Trek, and I really wish he would have. But we'll get to that. Yeah, the planets live fast and die hard. The question is, why? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like a house of cards. Checkmate. Their geology disgusts me. <laughs> they have an outer crust and a creamy caramel nougat center. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, so yeah, so this is what happens when Riker gets too comfortable on the bridge. But Picard has just decided, this episode has just decided to completely fuck off. Yeah, so we're, because... getting, to the, we're getting to the B plot now. Well, yeah, so we, okay. we're trying to... Okay, who's driving? We we get we kind of both are, okay. Uh, but okay. Is it just me, or is this entire scene with Picard and Troy talking about horses like the most sexually charged conversation ever? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh yes, the rippling piles of muscle between your legs. I just can't quite get enough. You should really try it sometime. No, it's well, okay. I'll just like... sit over here and watch. <laughs> oh, but you're the non-writer. <laughs> yeah, because that's how that's how Picard divides the galaxy. 
writers and non-writers. And then Troy's like, I never thought of you as an animal person. And Picard responds, small animals, no, but large animals like horses. Yeah, big ones, you know, larger than your forearm. <laughs> I measure by girth. <laughs> and he wants an appropriate mount. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not near as much fun as an inappropriate mount. <laughs> But also, this, this this is you know season two, so we're still getting used to the technology and everything. Also, the holodeck is just fucking rad, and the special effects, the door, and everything, really pretty fucking cool. The special effect of fading out a uh, something from a different shot. Yes. yes, it is. I like it. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> so and also, yeah, Picard goes in this weird soliloquy about more about the horses, like, oh no, like, uh, you know, ancient warriors, they would sleep with the horses and the milk would, to their children, and it would raise their family when the wife left. And right, like, what so the fuck with them. Yeah, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> There's a bond created by mutual need. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. The need to breed. Hello, beautiful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> And then Troy's I like, mean, now I get it. You don't want a pet. You want a companion. I know. What? This is so on the nose. Well, and then, and like but, a does he immediately agree. says, he immediately says, well, I'm not a furry, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, this scene goes on for like 10 minutes and there's a buildup and a buildup and a buildup. Oh, good. We see Picard ride a horse. This is going to be amazing. He's going to gallop. He's going to do this. We're going to see what kind of horseman he truly is. What kind of equestrian. Captain Jean-Luc Picard truly is. You know, some animals... And then he got tall to the bridge. Some animals have the capacity to fill spaces you never knew were empty. <laughs> like a colon. <sighs> so do beta Z men have prostates? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see how that's relevant, Captain. No, never mind. <laughs> Mariposa... <laughs> she talks about like how her mom hates cats. Hmm, can't imagine why. What kind of single old lady is she? Exactly. And then they go on this weird thing. It was like, well, Picard, which I think is reasonable, goes, well, I figured Beta Zeds would like would love animals. You know, they're all emotional. Well, and everything. no, he says I would assume Beta Zeds would be you know excellent animal trainers, which to me just seems racist. <laughs> I mean, you have more you know fast twitch nerve fibers. I don't know. <laughs> Well, he sees that Troy has this mane going on, so... Yeah. <laughs> she does look like a horse girl. I think I dated her when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> but then she, Troy, and then how she... old are you? Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is cool in this scene. We do get to see our special guest star, though. Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> jokes. Star Trek. Um... Yeah, but then she goes to this weird thing. It's like, oh, no, we get caught up in their emotions and their passions. And I'm just thinking, is bestiality illegal on Beta Z or not? I can't tell by the way she says that. That's interesting and also kind of horrifying <laughs> to be empathic with animals. But it's like it's too bestial for you to really process and it takes over you. Right. Yeah, that's a little that's a little creepy, a little disturbing. Which kind of goes with why she says that Beta Zoids don't really do with animals that well. And yet, she dated Worf. Later, I mean, you know, she's probably starting to go through her change and, you know. <laughs> what, heat? Yeah, do you not she remember? She did not his last few eggs free. <laughs> Gross. 
Do you not remember the other season two episode where Troy's mom shows up and literally tries to bag everyone? Yes. Well, that's hard to forget. Yeah, so. Also, a special shout out to the other star of the scene, Picard's fancy writing hat. <laughs> no, I love that grandpa hat. <laughs> and his shitty sweater. Yeah. But they match. So he puts a. He gets a leg up in the stirrup. He's like, you know, I've been wasting 10 minutes talking to your ass. I, I get like an hour of holodeck time. I've got to go. He gets on the stirrup. Uh, Captain, uh, someone's calling for you. They, they say they have like an account you need to approve or something. And I, I don't know. Just come up here and get the phone. Uh, fuck you, Riker. Well, Riker's like, Captain, get up here and look at this shit. It's fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> it's spectacular and a little terrifying. Like, oh, hey, Captain, like a... this planet's about to blow up. You gotta come see this. It, it's so awesome. <laughs> and I like that more. That it also kind of like hints that Picard starts untacking the horse because he like undoes it from the thing, and so it's like he spends another ten minutes like taking the saddle off and brushing it down. Yeah, and then he has <laughs> to go and... computer freeze program. Exactly. So just pausing the game. And then he has to go and like change because he walks on the bridge in his uniform. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, well, 30, or, 30 or 45 minutes has passed since Riker called him up there to watch the planet explode, and it's all over with now. Yeah, yeah. Also, Riker's hair looks terribly poofy. It's horrible. That's kind of an ongoing problem in season two. Yeah, he's got the beard, but he's still poofy. Well, and he then... has some of the beard. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the important parts. And then Data's got that fucking mullet, which is distracting. Yeah, so they're, they're over around some molten planet, and Picard's like, oh, interesting. Thanks, number one. <laughs> this yep. Is, this is totally better this. than my special time with the horse. Yeah. So apparently they've been... Up and everything. <laughs> so apparently they had sent probes to this like star system with all the planets in it and everything like years and years ago. Uh, last time they checked, this planet had a thriving ecosystem. And that's the sting of the intro? Yeah, and now it looks like a Meatloaf album cover. <laughs> also, the way the dialogue goes, the probes may have been there like 150 years ago. Right. So it's and not even it's a... new information. So the thing is, I'm already bored with this episode. That was the sting. Yeah, that was the B-plot, uh, Picard and the horse. Which I'm more concerned about that than, than this. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, oh, so the planet was alive, now it's dead. It's a planet we've never heard of before, never been there. We don't give a shit. So, way to draw us in, episode. Are there people there? No, just no, not anymore. Yeah, just, I think it had algae. So, yeah, we, we mourn the loss of the algae. Ugh. All right. Credits roll. herpa derpa dupa dupa doo So, now in the observation lounge, and everyone's kind of yeah. just kind of milling about. Meanwhile, in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once it's much darker. I don't understand the way they structured this episode. It's so weird. So so Picard comes in, and he, like I said, he's totally fucked off this episode. He's like, okay, Riker, this is your show. I'm going to sit here and think about horses. Also, if it's, Riker... <laughs> <laughs> if it's Riker's meeting, shouldn't you let Riker have the head seat? That's what I thought, too. He's like, okay, this is your meeting, but I still get the good chair. Like, like Picard could have gone and sat down at the opposite end chair. Like, that would still be a position of power over the side people, but... Well, this chair is set to the right height for his legs. He's not uh... Riker missing. He well, doesn't want Riker stepping over it. <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't want, also... he doesn't want Riker ball sweat on the headrest. <laughs> I can feel that right on my scalp, you know. Uh, 
And it's also it's also the one that's got the uh the, the placemat that you can flip over and draw horses and color horses on it. So <laughs> Oh my god. So they're like, okay, well I'm thinking about making Wesley like head of the geological uh science team for this so we can kind of figure out what's going on. And Pulaski's mean like that's a big job for a little boy with big responsibilities. Like I love Pulaski in this scene. Actually, this whole episode. God, she's such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's got the bitch factor cranked up to eleven. We're like anything anybody's for, she's against. And as soon as they change their mind, they go, "Well, you know what? Maybe she has a point." Then she immediately flips and goes the other way. <laughs> well, no, hold on now. Even though I just said that thing, let's now think about the opposite. What the fuck do you want? She's like the most irritating devil's advocate ever. She's like, why am I even here? I'm the doctor. Yeah, that's exactly that's the <laughs> question. It's like, who cares what she thinks about this geological survey? Uh, she so, yeah. She's not even invested in Wesley. It's not her kid. <laughs> right. At one point, I was kind of like, Wesley's like, Mom, you got old. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> You're not Mom. They just invited her because they forgot Crusher wasn't here anymore. Yeah, listen, yeah, get doctor, the doctor. Come on up. We talk about Wesley. <laughs> right, yeah, she showed up. Riker was like, well, it's too late to say anything now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Right, so they had this quick conversation about, well, well, we should give him responsibility, you know, but it's a lot. But that's okay. He has to learn sometime. I and love then... how this is steeped in, like, four or five nested metaphors. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell if it's genius or insanity. And of course, <laughs> of course, the one Picard goes to first is the horse. Exactly, he goes into well, well, you know, a horseman, you know, the, <laughs> they don't want to break his back with too much weight. You know, it's a young horse. Uh, we don't want him to wreck under pressure, much like a horse would. <sighs> Which everyone politely ignores. <laughs> okay, anyway, we're not talking about a horse. We're talking about a young man. No offense, Captain. So let's talk about swords. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes and like a like a guy with a, on a horse with a sword the sword has to be sharp but not you know too brittle what i have no idea what's going on here <laughs> yeah then, then here's a plasky change that does 1d8 damage <laughs> <laughs> and this is where plasky goes no no you're right we should totally give him responsibility but that's not what you said like two seconds ago well, and then I'm it comes down to, like, the, Riker, the way Riker concludes the thing is, like, yeah, I don't even care what you're going to say. I'm just going to do what I want to do anyway, so thanks for showing like, up. Yeah. We got not Crusher. We have Captain Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I have an engineer who could not give less of a shit. As long as Wesley's out of his hair, he doesn't care. <laughs> and then Troy's just like, look, I have to do this. It's I'm hourly. You know, I don't, I can't just not be here. This is technically my job. Right. But I got everyone else in here doing it. So they cut to the bridge. They call Wesley and Wesley's sitting there, poo poo long on, on L cars. He turns around and then looming behind him like vampire is data. <laughs> just just leering at him. Yeah. I like them <laughs> pants, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, could you? Can I feel how human you are to make me feel more human? So yeah, Data just stands there, and then he looking like an idiot. Then he looks over at some guy, like some tactical guy, and goes, "Okay, now you get over here." And then he comes out <laughs> and takes the con. Okay. And I do, I do like Wesley's reaction. He walks in and he sees this motley crew of monsters and sh- sitting in the dark shadows. And immediately goes, hey. <laughs> "Yeah," they immediately immediately gulps. <laughs> What you doing? Wesley. 
We decided to make you study rocks. Congratulations. <laughs> oh shit, yeah, motherfucker. This is awesome. <laughs> Wesley, this is not awesome. This is responsibility and seriousness. You may not oh. enjoy this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, sorry. I'm totally not going to enjoy these rocks. Oh my god. Wesley going to get his rocks <laughs> off. <laughs> and this time not into the replicator, which is nice. It gets all gummed up. I got to scrape it out. They don't scrape it out when Riker does it. Why? I don't see why it'd be different with Wesley. So Picard's here. Picard's like, look, you know, uh, this is a lot of responsibility, much like owning a horse. <laughs> and all the other senior officers here to help you, much like a horse would help you travel. They're not to judge you like a horse would. God damn it. Shut up, Picard. <laughs> so Wesley's got to assemble a team of crack rock studiers. Not rock stars. We can't call them that. Ha <laughs> ha! So, yeah, they do the whole thing of like, okay, you're allowed to ask questions. We won't think lesser of you. In fact, okay. we'll respect you for it. Yeah, that's a damn lie. Golly. But okay. Yeah, golly gee. All right, so Wesley gets something to do. Good for him. And actually, in all fairness and honesty, I actually like Wesley and how he handles this. This is like I think some of the best I've seen of Wesley. <laughs> it does annoy me though. This is like such clear favoritism because. Not everybody gets this fucking opportunity. What's so special about this asshole? Oh, that's right. The captain killed his dad. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The captain is trying to win brownie points with his mom. Yeah. All right. So now we start with the Zed plot. I, I, don't, I don't know where we're at. I don't know what's uh, going C on. C plot. Yeah, okay. So Zed making a mess on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, he's got his shit laid everywhere because, you know, an android would do that. He's messy like a teenager. So I like how Worf comes over and is like, uh, what you doing? Oh, I'm like, just fixing stuff, making uh, radio things more powerful so I can hear shit. I've never talked about doing this before. I never will again. But for this episode, I'm going to do this because it's important to the plot. And Worf says, so is what you're doing, could it detect, like, radio transmissions from other planets of people? That would be, you be used to destroy planets? Because <laughs> you fire it like a weapon. <laughs> Like are these radio you? transmissions you're uh, picking up be anything we would need to raise the shields over? <laughs> Should I arm the torpedoes? <laughs> I like how he trips over the stuff Data's laying around, which just tells me that Worf has terrible like observational awareness, environmental awareness. I do like how Worf has apparently been, apparently been promoted to hall monitor of the bridge for this episode. Yep. He's just like, uh, getting all up in Data's business, even though Data is his commanding officer. At the end of the sequence, he's like, um, so, yeah, this this shit all over the floor. Uh, Data's like, uh, yeah, I'll be taking that back to my quarters uh, any time now. Good. Then he just yeah. storms off. Well, after Worf blasts through the exposition, he needed to set up what Data's doing. Uh-huh. So Wesley pops out of a, uh, a turbo lift. Who's been, he's been in there for about 20 minutes waiting for Riker and Troy to walk by. <laughs> There they are, finally! Ah. So he starts walking and talking with them, and uh, he starts going over, here's all the people I have for this, that, and the other. And, and... here's where we get to one of the first parts of, this is a really weirdly edited episode, because you can tell there's about half this conversation that's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's just chopped up really strangely. It doesn't flow at all. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's one thing I was noticing as I was watching, I was like, wait, what, where were we? What's going on? What? what? <laughs> there are words, but they don't mean anything. What the shit? Yeah, and then in a little bit, we're going to get a two-month time skip. Uh, yeah, that's weird, too. Yeah. All right. 
So, yeah, Wesley's just like, here's what I'm looking, and he just kind of gets a nod and smile from his commanding officers. Okay, that was that was useful. Uh-huh. So I guess Wesley's doing shit. That's yeah, good. They managed to not contribute at all. No. It's always weird to me when you see, like, Wesley in full profile next to Riker, because it really <laughs> emphasizes how small he is. Uh-huh. Yeah, Riker is tiny. Because when they're all sitting behind their consoles, the, their heights kind of even out. Yeah. Which is weird because Wesley's torso is like a third the length of a normal human's. <laughs> All, right, All right, so um, yeah, so now, now we're, we're doing uh, Ensign Heisenberg. <laughs> look, at I mean, come on, you cannot tell me that does not just look like a bong. He is lighting up a bong. Look at that thing. He gets in there, he vaporizes the stuff. Please, he's cooking meth, <laughs> space meth. I just called it a crack pipe when I was tweeting the episode earlier. Mm. But I like this guy. One thing I like about this is kind of the lower decks thing. We actually get to see just workaday, normal Starfleet employees doing their fucking jobs. You know, he's wearing his little his little science uniform, doing his little rock thing, and he's just a boring asshole. Look at this guy. Shitty Adrian Brody. He looks <laughs> so he looks like that guy your dad was friends with in the 80s, but only kind of vaguely. Like, you know, they'd get together a couple times a year, and you were always a little bit uncomfortable around him, because he had that weird hair, and he looked like he should have a beard or something. <laughs> right. So you know, I guy. will say that he yes. would fit in with the ghost cast well with that huge nose of his. I think I'm going to call this guy Ensign Randy. Okay. So I think Ensign Randy, uh, I actually kind of like Ensign Randy because he's not like a villain. He's not a dick or anything. He's just like happy to do his job. You know, he's just no, you know, he is trying... kind of a dick. He is a I little don't... he's a little bit of a dick, but I think it's exaggerated by the way they ended up cutting his scenes. Well, I I think because I think they, they kind of misdirect you with like, the show where he's kind of a dick. And then later he's just like not a dick. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I actually like the guy because he's just like, OK, you know, whatever. And he's actually trying to be helpful. He's telling Wesley, here's here's what I would do. I mean. Yeah, he's not telling Wesley what to do. He's just, you know, here's what I think. Here, here's my suggestion. Yeah. I am. This is this is just my personal opinion on this. Uh, but what you do with it, what you do with it is your business. I don't care. Just, just tell me what I need to do. Of course, then yeah. there's also the part where he just point blank says, you know, if this gets to be too much for you, just let me know and I'll step in. And the <laughs> yeah, deli- that is kind of shitty. Yeah, the delivery yeah. of that's pretty shitty. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, in fairness. Wesley's like, what, 14 or something? I mean, he's a child, of course. I mean, and this guy's like a professional geologist in Starfleet. I mean, so, eh. Yes, in the real world, that would make sense. Uh, but clearly, when we're <laughs> expecting Wesley to be behaving as an adult because he's a hero. Right. I think, uh, too, this I, is... I think the intent And of also, how... like, the that you should have come to me first or something? What was that line? Yeah, about some of the personnel decisions. Um, yeah, yeah. Because this guy apparently is a homewrecker. I like to break up married couples. <laughs> yeah, that's not a professional thing on scientific teams. That's what I like to do personally. <laughs> I think probably the intent of the scene as written was not supposed to be so antagonistic or confrontational. Yeah, aggressive. Right? Uh, yeah, that too. I think it was just yeah. – it was either cut badly after it was shot to have that effect or was directed incorrectly. Yeah. All right, like, so now we're moving on back up to the G plot. <laughs> I I guess I don't I don't I don't know. 
No, All right, so... we, we, you keep looking for the G plot, but it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I found it before, so I have to believe who told me. I mean, I got no proof. It's just. All right. So, yeah, Data's just like basically dialing the knob on the radio looking for like a, something that's not country music. Well, we've all so, been there. Yeah, I mean, it's. So he finds like some signal. And what really annoys me, he has to tell the computer to like, you know, do what the computer should already know to do, but whatever. All right. So a little girl's voice says, Is there anybody out there? And Data, without thinking for a second, goes, Yeah. Hello. <laughs> She's like, 14 female California ASL. <laughs> He's like <laughs> fully functional. Um, yeah. How old is like data? Like 15 or something at this point? <laughs> 25. Is he 25? All right. So we get another weird, uncomfortable scene of a uh, Wesley just hanging out in a corridor in front of a door. <laughs> Look at his little kinda, boots. With well, his little boots. Yeah, but he's waiting for Pulaski to come around the corner. <laughs> Well, because he put he put garlic at the other end of the other corridor, <laughs> so she has to come this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so she comes walk along, spots him, and he's like, "Ho ho ho!" And like backs up, ha ha ha. I spent drama. Like, oh, hi, Doctor Plasky. So, too much of a little bitch to open the door, huh? <laughs> uh, well, I guess you've got everything under control. Pinches his cheeks. <clears throat> so, yeah, she just basically gives him a pep talk. Look, you're the boss. You're in charge. They have to do what you say. So just get in there and do it. And Wesley, you know, is having some pretty... It's the first time he's ever done anything like this. He's got some pretty reasonable doubts about himself. You know, he does, he's never told anybody what to do before, especially people older than him and professional scientists. I like that Pulaski's just... advice to him is that you have the authority, use it. And Wesley's response is, I only have the authority because Commander Riker says so. <laughs> well, welcome to what authority is. Right? <laughs> the only reason anybody's in charge of anybody else is because somebody else who's in charge of them and you told you that they are. Right, yeah. Well, you but fucking to, to Wesley's credit, though, I mean, he understands that he didn't earn this. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying. Actually, Wesley comes out looking pretty good in this episode. I got to say, he he's not nearly as annoying as I really figured he would be. His doubts uh, are very realistic and make sense. Yeah, uh, Agreed. And, and there's no fucking... He's like, I'm in charge of these people. I have no idea what I'm doing. They know what they're doing. And they Why know am I that the one I know, ordering them? And they know I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. But he, he gets his shit together. And, and <clears throat> luckily, the episode doesn't have any fucking Mary Sue bullshit that happens. So but that's there, good. There's another really clear <clears throat> point here of weird editing because Pulaski basically cuts into the middle of a sentence after Wesley talks about how he only has authority because Riker gave it to him. And she's like right in the middle saying, and you have to hold on to it. Right. Because I mean, it's very obvious the statement should have been something like, yes, Commander Riker gave you the authority, but now it's up to you to hold on to that authority and use it to guide right. your team. It's like, what? Which, like, they were like, okay, we need to have these three different plots in here, but we don't have time for all of them. And by God, when you get Sarah Jessica Parker to guest star, <laughs> you have to give her her screen time. You can't cut any of that short. Well, they paid for the horse, so. <laughs> you can't just call her that, man. Come on. All right, so we cut down Equestrian to the geology. American, is that better? <laughs> so we cut down to the ge 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 geology lab. Geology lab. Wow, this rum and coke is strong. 
Um, all right, so now they knows that a lot of the plants in the system are just like geologically falling apart and blowing up and what the fuck ever. I think this so is doing... I think this is our eight week jump, by the way. Uh, already? Have they done the time jump already? I think. Uh, I don't know. I didn't see anything. Anyway, so they're looking for uh, like traker deposits, which apparently are like some sort of substrate that happens when dilithium is nearby. And stuff like that. And Wesley's like, okay, well, that's fine, but we, you know, we need to make sure. So can you do like this special Ico spectrogram or something? And 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 <clears throat> Ensign Toby or whatever his fucking name was, Randy. Randy, yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Randy is just like, eh, I don't want to. That takes a long time. And I don't feel like doing it. So, what now, bitch? Uh, apparently, it. Ta- how does it take a long time to set up? Computer, do this, right? <laughs> There's a lot yeah, but, of parallel ports to screw in, okay? Yeah. So I like that, that you know, uh, Randy is kind of like, uh, Lieutenant Randy's like, well, it takes a long time, and part of a good officer is doing exactly what I tell them to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how the other end, like, in the other side of the room, uh, Blondie with the blue eyes, she's, like, staring, like, this death stare, like, oh, shit. <laughs> she's well, like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's right. I kind of do that long, tedious work. I'm reading right. it more as um, Lieutenant Randy is genuinely trying to help Wesley understand how to command. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. Ensign What's-Her-Name is just kind of standing there neutral, waiting to see what Wesley decides to do based on the advice he's been given by his team. Yeah, that's right. The... I don't read it that way at all. Okay. I, I read it as this guy is just kind of a shitty officer, and he sees he can manipulate Wesley, and he can get by without doing a lot of work. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. It's funnier that way. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess my interpretation still comes down to me thinking this was not <laughs> shot the way it was intended as written. Perhaps not, but this is what we got. Therefore, yeah, I know. This is the this is what it is. This yeah. is reality here. Yeah. Well, sort of. And, well, I mean, it's simulated reality. It's, eh, it's, it's reality it's, for Wesley of this guy manipulating him to do less work. I'm just saying we've replaced right. your reality with reality crystals. Let's see what happens. <laughs> um. All right. <clears throat> so Wesley just kind of goes okay, and then sloughs off the uh, out of the room. I don't know what I'm doing after all. I can yeah. just go kill myself. <laughs> right. I see him. So the next thing is Pulaski walks in, him swinging from his uh, the rafters in his quarters. Um. No, that's not true. So so back up. Oh, Ensign Blondie and the geology team. I want. I think her, she's credited as Nikki Cox. No, that's <laughs> no, that's the alien girl. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, Nikki Cox is like the most porn star name I've ever heard. You should see what she looked like when she got older. I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see here. Okay, pause. Google. Here I'll we go. <laughs> I guess we're doing this anyway, huh? Oh my god! Oh my god! I mean, I wasn't going to, but then Scott took it upon himself. Yeah. Huh. She's into horses. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. So back up on the bridge, uh, Data is sitting there. Yeah, I think it has been a couple weeks at this point. I, I forget where it said so. So Data's in, like. In the captain's log, you know, we've been studying for eight weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's several of those in this episode. So Data's overlooking geological things, gets the gets to Drema four, Dramamine four or whatever, and sees something he doesn't like, 
figures out that Captain Picard is on holodeck three and like, oh, I wonder what Picard's doing. Yeah, so Picard spent the last two months with this horse program, apparently. That's what I'm saying. He has completely checked out. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't done fuck all. Well, okay, for like think two about it. They're, they're on just like a, you know, planetary survey mission. It hardly needs the captain on the bridge all the time. This is probably, you know, Picard's been looking forward to this because he can go spend a couple token hours on the bridge a day, look at, you know, new planets or whatever, and then go fuck off to the holodeck for six or seven hours. <clears throat> and nobody's going to really question it because nothing's going on. He's, he's been six, anticipating this greatly. Six, seven, eight, twelve hours a day, you know. <laughs> you know, just quality time with his horse. I'd also like to point out, he hasn't changed clothes in two months. I mean, if you want to get technical, none of them have. <laughs> Even um, Wesley's still wearing the same boots. Ooh, cute boots. All right, so Picard appears on his horse like, oh, Data, what the fuck, man? <laughs> so, uh, must be pretty important, huh? And, like, then, oh, yeah, and then Data starts getting all into the horse. Yeah. Just, just something about horses, man. <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, apparently it's been like two or, you know, uh, eight weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Now is when Data decides, now he decides to tell the captain, oh, by the way, I've been in communication with somebody in the area that I haven't told anybody about. What the fuck, Data? <laughs> I've been violating the Prime Directive uh, for the past two months. Well, not to mention just basic operational protocol. When someone contacts you on the ship, you kind of, you know, you don't keep that a secret. What the fuck, Data? This is the one part of the episode I really don't understand. So, and then he goes, I answered it. And Picard's like, uh, should I be angry? I'm going to have to put my horse up again, aren't I? He's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, see, now you've done it. Now he's gotten off the horse. Now you're done for. He's gotten off the horse, and he still has that riding crop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but Data, I mean, so Picard starts trying to be philosophical about this. He's like, well, you know, um, so things happen. Let's let's walk and talk, son. <laughs> and then, yeah, Picard's like, well, it didn't end there, did it? And he's like, no, we talk all the time. A young female humanoid. And so Picard's like, so uh, it's a spacefaring race, right? This We're not you know, violating the number one fucking rule Starfleet here, are we? Data's like, no, 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 we totally are. <laughs> Well, to which Picard, actually... Picard answers, oops, oops, flagship of Starfleet, of the Federation, most decorated captain ever up to this point, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, oops, oopsie doopsie, yep, good happens. Also, watch where you walk, I've been running this horse with the same holiday program for like two months, I haven't cleaned up anything. Every step. Oh my god. So Data goes in and goes, oh yeah, I've been talking to her pen pal. She told me about her family, about her species, and all this kind of stuff. And the geology of her planet's apparently cracking up. Uh, so apparently the planet's going to blow up like the other ones do. Because like, well, that sucks. Friends in trouble, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Data's like, well, maybe we can fix it and save everybody. Guard's like, well, about that. So, yeah, so it comes down to uh, Data is such a dick in this because he goes to the captain and goes, the captain's like, well, that's the prime directive. We can't do anything. And Data's like, 
Yeah, but I expect you to find some way around it for me. Turns on the puppy dog eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They start glowing softly. (laughs) He turns on his furby eyes. That's just creepy. (laughs) Well, Peter. Yeah, okay. So, so strangely, Picard, I I don't know if there's a reason for this, but instead of going to the observation lounge or a meeting room, he goes, uh, I'll have a meeting in my quarters, all senior staff. Well, that's off off the books, you know. I guess that's why? All right. So, yeah, very strange. So then Picard goes, oh, and by the way, you have to cease communications with this life form. Fine. That's weird. Fuck, it's been two months riding a horse and everything just goes to hell. <laughs> it's almost like a guy can't ride a horse for two months anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we get a great scene of, of Riker just just spreading the love everywhere. So we got to attend for it. Riker is macking on like an ensign. She's an ensign! Come on, man. Apparently, apparently there's not regulations against that, so... Uh, uh, fucking apparently, because you know he's tagging her. He is tagging her hard. All right. So, Riker gets up and goes to the bar with empty glasses and says, two more. Uh-huh. And one for the lady, too. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <sighs> and then he's sitting next to this blonde guy. He's like, not him, not my type, if you know what I mean. It's just rude. Come on, come on, hey Mickey. The, the guy at the bar with the blonde hair—he has to be gay, right? No, he's just derfy. Really, the hair no. and everything? No, it was the '80s. That hair is common. If okay. you look at the mouth, the only thing running through his head is her arms. <laughs> <laughs> I like vegetables. <laughs> All right, so Wesley comes in, which apparently he's allowed in ten forward, even though it's a bar. But whatever. He's been um, there since. The first episode of the season. That explains a lot. <laughs> so he goes over and he kind of looks at Riker and just, he goes, permission to engage cot blocking mechanism. <laughs> and he goes, cot block engaged. So Riker has two drinks, sits down one with the chick. He goes, I'll be back to you later. And then goes over and sits with Wesley. Performing Does a it... full Riker maneuver, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm an e- expert. Expert uh, record maneuver. All right. So then Wesley starts whining about how hard his job is. And Riker's like, I can't take this, and starts chugging his drink. <laughs> his oily, oily looking drink. Yeah. <laughs> like vegetable oil mixed with orange juice. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Well, it goes down smooth. Comes out smooth, too. <laughs> like soft serve. So basically, I'm gonna need to go for a minute. <laughs> Don't blame so, you. So Wesley does go into things like, "Look, I asked the guy to do a thing, and he said he didn't want to do it, and then I just kind of caved." I mean, it, Wesley takes responsibility of it. He goes, "Like, no, I probably should have stood up for myself, but I don't know." And Rock was like, "Well, do you think you should have done it?" And it's like, "Well, yeah." He's like, "Well, there's your answer. Then you got to do it." You know, it's not age. It's not anything else. You're the one taking responsibility. They have to do what you say. So it's actually a pretty good conversation. I, I want to find more to make fun about this, but it's actually pretty good. Like, again, this is one of those scenes where it's actually good. It's like this is one of those good spots in the episode. Responsibility and authority go hand in hand, you know. And he's like, I know you're responsible. Now you just need to learn how to use authority, you know. So it all works out. If you're in doubt, just ask yourself, what would Picard do? <laughs> Kill my dad? <laughs> <laughs> 
and then sleep with my mom. So wait, I should be Oedipus? <laughs> Get my dad and marry my mom. Uh, so yeah, so then uh, Wesley gets, takes a little further because he's Wesley. And he goes, yeah, but what if I'm in command and someone dies? And Riker's like, <laughs> slow your horses, son. <laughs> like you're ever going to get to that point, please. <laughs> So he does answer the question, though. I like the fact that he asked, well, what would Picard do? It wasn't rhetorical because Wesley answered it. He goes, well, he would get everyone's opinions, you know, listen to everybody, and, and then, then make his do own what he decision. wanted to anyway. Right, exactly. So it makes it look like that he's actually listening to people. <laughs> when instead he's really just sitting there thinking of horses. Right. <laughs> Maybe I should try Arabian tech. <laughs> Don't be silly. Anyway. So, yeah, so Riker's like, okay, good. I got a few more minutes left where I got to go and do anything, so maybe I can still tag this little lieutenant. Walks back over and goes, oh, wait, shit, I got to go. And then leaves her there. And the look on her face of like, oh, you. She is, so, Riker. Mm. She is so sexually frustrated, she can't even stand up right now. <laughs> All right, so we got back down to the geology lab. And then Wesley comes in and goes, you, your ass, now! You, do that thing. Okay. Pictures of Spider-Man on my desk. You know, he just yeah. kind of comes and tells David, hey, I, I I need you to run that, that scan. And the guy goes, okay. Okay. And then yeah. does it. Because <laughs> that's what you do. That's it. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah, and, I'll get right on that, Wesley. <laughs> he gets uh-huh. up and goes on. Right. Trust me. Oh, smoking. <laughs> yeah, that is it. yeah, he goes out in the corridors with a little smoking a cigarette leaning against a turbo lift door. No, he's still got the uh, pipe with the big crack rock in it. Oh my God. <laughs> he goes right to work falsifying that report. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, get it done in four hours and 59 minutes. It's amazing. You're, You're a miracle, miracle worker. worker, Lieutenant Randy. Ah. <laughs> all right. So we get back up. Now we're, we, we cut into Picard's quarters. And again, it's all weirdly dark in there. It's like a cult meeting. It's like they're doing something heinous or evil because it's, it's shadowy. What the fuck? Okay. But real talk, I love this scene. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, this 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 is actually one of the best scenes, uh, obviously in the episode, but in in a lot of Star Trek, it's actually very so good. Here's the thing: I like this episode a lot for everything except the part where Data's directly interacting with the alien. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, yeah, I think I pretty much agree with that. Some some of the getting there is a little contrived, like the fact that he was mm-hmm. communicating with some alien didn't tell anybody for two months. Yeah. Because, I mean, even make a point in another episode that Data literally can't go against protocol because he's a fucking machine, you know, so for him to do this is weird. But anyway, but anyway, yes, you're right. <laughs> All right, so here's a part where Pulaski goddamn <laughs> stares dead in the face. She's insane. Pulaski's insane. She should be relu- relieved of duty because of how insane she is. She Worf says, well, you know, maybe this. And she goes, well, it seems a little callous and even a little cowardly. And, like, stares at her. Oh, snap. <laughs> And, and I like how she it, opens like, the conversation insulting a Klingon's honor. Yeah, yeah, she's just daring him to come and kill her in front of all these witnesses. To which, he, uh, like, Worf just immediately starts to bow and goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold up, let's cool it off a little bit. <laughs> uh, let's just take it easy." I like how Worf is turning into Picard here. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, so funny. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, we have to think about this before we do anything. And I, I really expected just Warp to walk over and just smash her face in with a flower vase or something. <laughs> uh, okay. So Picard, and this is—I I don't want to recant the entire thing because you watch—you should watch the episode. It's a really great conversation talking about, 
you know, yeah, prime directive, true. Uh, but it's also, is it immoral? Because now that we know to let all these innocent people die, it's like, well, maybe that's what the cosmos is planned for them. It's like, well, aren't we part of the cosmos? Uh, you know, we're agents. We have a moral ob- obligation, but it could end up harming ourselves because it's to protect us too. So they come this great big conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, I like how they basically just articulate the point which Picard lays out directly at the end. The Prime Directive is not just there to stop us from destroying some other culture. It's there to protect us from making decisions we're honestly not equipped to make on the fly. Which is an amazingly uh, mature stance. I love that. Uh-huh. You know, it's, this, this makes me respect Star Trek again. It's conversations like this. <laughs> Seriously. So, and I like how Picard starts breaking it down. It's like, okay, fine. This is a geological thing. Well, what if it was an asteroid hit or something more personal? Like, what if it's a war that's going to go down on some planet we know about and millions of people are going to die that's not their fault? Do we intervene then? Or even if people aren't dying, what if it's just enslavement? Right. Do we do something then? And to which Pulaski is just like, oh, I fucking hate you so much, Picard. I'm (laughs) going to shit in the next hypo spray I use on you. I love how this whole debate goes through point and counterpoint, one after the other, and like nothing ever really gets disproved. It's just counter information, uh-huh. which is what Riker points out. Riker's just like, well, now we're in just a vicious circle. You know, I mean, there is no end there's, answer to this. Yeah, there's no solution to this. Right. No amount of discourse is going to bring us to a resolution. Right. It's really not that funny. Hi, bad. <laughs> nope, that's David. Shut the fuck up, David. Yeah, go start your job, David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I should know. I should have known better because Ben wouldn't be laughing. We've heard Ben laugh before. So, uh, so kind of toward the end of the conversation of this, they're like, "Well, you know, if someone asks us for help, then we'd have to." And the day's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be viewed as a call for help." <laughs> And to which uh, Picard <laughs> hilariously just goes sophistry, which is if you're a philosophical person, that's like basically the biggest fuck you you can say to someone's point. <laughs> I mean, talk about the most condescending, dismissive statement you can use. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Picard, you're talking to a living computer. But Data sees, have feelings. Data sees the writing on the wall and just is like, OK, so we're just going to let them die, aren't we? Yeah, he just wants everyone to say it. No, I want everyone in this room to say it. We're just going to let all these people die. No, no, go ahead and say it. Say it, that's your choice. <laughs> and Dwarf is like, yeah, but she doesn't really know anybody. Who gives a shit? It's like, I know her. Worf's like, so? <laughs> Who cares what you think? You're a robot. Well, yeah, Worf has, yeah. A, Worf has a great line, I think, earlier in the scene, too. Uh, somebody says, you know, Data's friend is going to die. Doesn't that matter? And Worf's just like, yeah, to Data. Uh yeah it matters to my boss (laughs) except the whole episode Worf does not act like Data is his boss no it's very weird not once yeah so now this is weird though so Picard's finally come to a decision he's just like look it's prime directive we can't do anything we're not morally equipped this is what's gonna happen no matter what we do before we get to the end of the scene here, I just want to point out Picard has served sandwiches at his clandestine meeting in his quarters. (laughs) (laughs) I can only assume they're cucumber sandwiches. (laughs) They're (laughs) watercress. You know, even when they're debating violating Starfleet's general order number one, Picard is a good host. 
or discussing letting millions of innocent people die a horrible lava-filled death. Either way, though, you're going to want refreshments. Yeah, because you don't, you don't want to go hungry while you're thinking about this kind of shit. Because <laughs> I can imagine Riker talking with his mouth was like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, how many millions? <laughs> 50 million? Oh, man, that's a lot of people to die. Oh, that's a lot of people to die. But yeah, <laughs> cucumber sandwiches and room temperature water. <laughs> so, Captain Picard in a nutshell. And and a uh, sheet cake with no forks. <laughs> Do they also uh, have a copy of uh, Transformers the movie that doesn't work? Yes. It wouldn't be a meeting in Captain Picard's quarters without a copy of Transformers the movie that doesn't work. These are all references to BotCon 96, for those wondering. This podcast is a disaster. <laughs> what else is new? Uh, All right, so yeah, two so, more weeks. So, well, no, no. So, so Picard tells Zeta, uh, "Okay, go ahead and like you know delete the the link you have to her radio transmission." So, and then to do, Zeta does the ultimate bitch move. Yes, he turns on the radio frequency before they before he turns it off, and then connects to it so everyone can hear a small child, a little girl, call for help. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Are you angry with me? I'm dying. Help me. I'm so afraid. Holy shit. Data doesn't have any feelings of his own, but he sure knows how to manipulate them <laughs> in others. Oh my <laughs> god. He's not an android. He's just a sociopath. <laughs> Is there a difference? Whew. All right, so your whispering for the dark has now become a plea. So, so basically, the, he's using this as an excuse that like she directly asked for help, so now they can. Because technically, it's not the prime directive if someone directly asks you for help. Because normally, that means that they know you exist and you have faster than light travel. In this case, that's not true. Yeah, he they're just, really for some splitting reason, some hairs here, but okay. AM radio. Yeah, I know. All right, so now they've decided to go help after all. And this is where the episode gets kind of weird. We're about halfway through it now. This is where the episode gets weird. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, as weird as second season TNG gets. So what's, what's right. the next thing? They cut to the observation lounge? Yeah, cut to the observation lounge. And apparently everything's kind of been solved in the sense that, oh, we figured out what's causing the instability. So basically... Yeah, you know, if Wesley uh, it, hadn't asked us to do that scan that we totally didn't just, just make up results for, we never would have known right. what was going on. Yeah, so this this is the closest thing that Wesley gets to being a Mary Sue is that you know he he solved it only because he you know balled up and actually told them to do a scan he wanted them to do. Whoopty shit. Yeah, I guess that's a feather in his cap, but it's still it's not nearly as egregious as some of the other Mary Sue shit he pulls. But yeah, so basically it's the lithium ore. It's resonating with some other thing that's causing all this geological. It, there's a, some techno babble about lattices and piezoelectric effects and. No, that makes any sense. But we see some of the oldest uh, ensigns and lieutenants I've ever seen in my life. Where did this guy's life go wrong? Ask Harry Kim. <laughs> yeah, this guy is like, look at this poor guy. He's like an ensign, and he's like 60. Yeah, in season three or early season four, there's somebody sitting at the helm who is easily 45 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Why they entered Starfleet late? Yeah, maybe it was a successful. <laughs> I don't know. Red salesman. Could yeah, be uh, just you know player. enlisted personnel like O'Brien. You know, no advancement there. Yeah. So I do like the fact that Picard's kind of asking around. It's like, okay, so what should we do? We know what the problem is now. How do we fix it? And you know, even Lieutenant 
uh, Toby. Randy. What's his name? Randy. Randy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Randy actually, you know, just looks at Wesley like, well, boss, you know, I like that. And then what I don't like, though, is that Wesley goes, well, we have an idea, but we don't know if it's going to work. The bird goes, no, no. Do or do not. There is no try. Give me a yes or no answer because that's how the universe works. So the answer, Wesley doesn't even have to say anything because Blondie goes, we'll work yeah, on we'll it. Try. Yeah, we'll try. Which apparently. Well, I mean, okay, so if it's a yes or no to the question of if it's going to work, the only other alternative is we will work on the problem and give you a yes or no answer as soon as we have one. Yeah. Just thought it was kind of weird for Picard to get all black and white all of a sudden. Well, wasn't the Picard cared about black and white? He's wanted to teach Wesley to be more assertive about it. Yeah, that's actually a valid interpretation of that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because when you're in command, you can't <clears throat> be you know hesitant or wishy washy about it. You gotta commit and just go with it. You gotta yeah, stick because, your guns. Yeah. Yeah, because just shrugging going, I don't know, isn't helpful. You can say, I don't know, but we're going to do A, B, and C to find out. That's helpful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. So, <laughs> one of the neat things like this, about this episode is kind of a reoccurring little gag, I guess. It's like, we're just getting in deeper and deeper, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they're like, yep, I guess we're up to here now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. Uh, yep, they're all going to die, unless... Yes, Picard points out that they're neck deep in horse shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. They're up to their yeah, they're up to their decks and shit right now. Horseshit specifically. Yeah, because they are skipping right along the fucking prime directive. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact that's Picard doing it too. He's like, yeah, we're fucking up here, man. Oh shit. I mean, we are so close to me. Fuck. This is stupid. Uh Okay, well, while you saw this, I'm going to go ride a horse. All right. So, <laughs> so Data's... Data we are up hit. this ship. We are up in this much shit. This much, no further. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not entirely true, Fort Mac, but we'll get there. Uh, all right, so Data's in his quarter trying to contact uh, Serginko or Sergeant Pepper or whatever her fucking name is. Uh, but apparently atmospheric conditions are... Oh, not you, mean, you mean uh, the Pigmon girl? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there. Oh my god! Um, so even I like the, the scene in Picard's ready room. Uh, the Worf, uh, Riker, and Ensign Blondie up there from the geological team. Yeah, you would think uh, Wesley would be here for this briefing since it's his team. Right, but, it was but, past his bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's maybe like Wesley's maybe Wesley's down there actually working right now. Sure. But you know what? I actually kind of like this techno babble. You know, they're going to take these probes. They can do resonance at a certain frequency. going to put them in torpedo casings so they can make it into the crust. I, I actually totally buy the techno babble in this scene. It makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why. I just I just really like this one. I think it works well, really well. Even, even the techno babble of why the planets are exploding kind of works internally. Yeah, I agree. Because like it's that, yeah, they're on this particular things forming crystals that's putting a lot of stress on the crust, and yeah, I mean that's kind of what causes tectonic motion. Well, yeah, specifically the dilithium is converting the heat energy inside the planet to mechanical energy and pushing the plates. So yeah, I mean. It's 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 sort of consistent with how they've explained or hinted at dilithium working before. Right, right. So we get a good uh, data shutdown. So data walks in and goes, Captain, I have something very important to you. Wait a minute. Wait for it. T. Bill Gray. Wait. Hot. 
<laughs> and Data just has to stand there like an idiot, wait for him to get his tea. And he goes, okay, Captain, permission to beam down to Drummer 4. <laughs> I was like, what the shit? <laughs> See, Data should have waited until he had a sip of tea in his mouth so he could get a spit, get spit <laughs> <out of it. laughs> Yeah. So, like, uh, Picard is not like, well, you know, I've, I've, I've given you everything you've wanted up to this point, but now I'm putting my foot down. And then Daddy goes, please? Daddy goes, oh, okay, I can't say no to you. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, like, this is still part of the, like, none of what Data's doing really makes sense, because he's like, well, I've already contacted her by radio. What's the difference if I go down there and meet her face to face? To which Riker calls bullshit on immediately. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, fuck you, Data. <laughs> Well, and it's Riker, too. Like, when Data's in the middle of making his request, Riker's all, okay, come on, Data. We've gone so far for you already. You know, give it a break already. Just quit while you're ahead. Yeah, like, a car just goes, go. Do it. And Data's like, sir, go. Riker, handle the transporter situation. Data's still like, huh? <laughs> what? No, go do the thing you were just talking about. Sir, I don't know what you're talking about. I just walked in here. No, get, j- never mind. So, <laughs> and now they're uh, forehead deep in for shit. <laughs> yeah, they're up to their up to their bald scalps. And even I even like uh, O'Brien in this episode because Riker comes in and goes, "Oh, uh, yeah, you're not here, man. <laughs> take, go take a nap." Yeah, do which Miles is like, "Fuck it, I'll do that. I'm Irish. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like I've got a work ethic." He collapses on a box full of hay in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he normally naps. He just keeps it there all the time. It's just off screen. All right. So, oh, yeah, so pretty... I just woke up. So I don't know really why Riker had to be the one to actually press the buttons, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So they're violating uh... more protocol, and it's to keep O'Brien or any other operator from getting involved in it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'm sure the, the L-car screens are smart to you know pick up your bioelectric signal and know who's using it. It reads the You know, they, I, I'm they getting, actually I'm say getting, that outright in the later episode. I'm I'm getting a little tired of your sass. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then Riker immediately gets called away to the bridge. So Data beams down, and this is where I start fucking losing it on this fucking episode. So he beams down to, like, the Flintstones meets the 60s. Which I guess is redundant. No, that's the Jetsons. Ah. The scene where Data starts exploring a, a young girl's bedroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. It is still creepy. <laughs> so he walks over to this prop, which uh, which I guess we're, we're we're meant to think is the radio transmitter. Yeah. Uh, in a in a young girl's bedroom because a young girl. And I'm pretty sure that I've seen those tables, those uh, end tables at Pier One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Space Dock One, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, like, they have green is the little bo- uh, orb with some neon lights in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they just gotta poke around some young girl's bedroom, uh, which apparently has dirt on the floor. Apparently, they just live in caves. Apparently, I, I, they can just turn off one of the walls. Yeah, so that's the other thing. So he waves <laughs> his hand, the wall just vaporizes into nothing. So they have like matter. Capability, but they just invented the radio. What? I don't. What's going on here? And what is the little girl radio? But like the 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 world government doesn't. I, what's going on? So he opens up the wall, looks out, and it looks like Hawaii outside. Yeah, this it's planet's like, a little fucked. Yeah, even Data, he like steps out, and there's like this hot wind and lava is going over, and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> it's 
so humid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look at his his fucking mullet flapping in the breeze. This is gonna make my paint run. It's majestic. Starts squeaking. Starts rusting. Uh, so weird. So right, he puts so the he, wall back. Yeah, he puts the wall back uh, <laughs> by waving his hand. And then suddenly the creepiest little munchkin I've ever seen. It's like the girl from Mad Max. Okay, so for the most part, I really like her makeup. Yeah? It's the like hands. Wig. Oh. Like I said, the I'm one like, finger, she's a pigmon girl. <laughs> Uh, but her she just she just needs a little tiny uh, pink balloon tied on her hair. I wouldn't be surprised to see that there, honestly. All right, so what don't you like, Haymaking? Though no, I not... will say, <laughs> well, so maybe she couldn't be a pig mom because she doesn't she isn't dead at the end of the episode. Ah, classic Fort Max. <laughs> Mickey. Okay, so Fort Max, don't you start. Shit. <laughs> but I do really like her facial prosthetics. Yeah, I think they're really unique as far as Star Trek goes in terms of what they're doing with her face. Because she's got fake cheekbones, she's got like the double brow blended in to hide the eye line. Yeah. Um, and even though her finger extensions are kind of wobbly and chitty, yeah. I really kind of like the way they're, the material they're made out of. It's sort of translucent. It glows a little bit like what flesh does when you have a light to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does a lot to make it look real. Yeah. What, what do we think about her voice modulation? They made her the high pitch and squeaky and kind of vibrato. I like they it. Gave, they gave her an alien mm-hmm. voice, too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, now, the, the, I was... the production quality level on the alien effect here is actually really high for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I have to admit, the only thing I could think of when I first saw her with like the red and like the, the cheek and the like, like kind of a carapace thing going on, I want to put her in boiling water and then dip her in melted butter. That's that's what I want to do. I'm looking at her and I'm thinking I'm thinking cheese biscuits. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking all you can eat buffet. Crabs. She looks like a lobster crabs. and or a crab. Quabs. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> it came from the deepest recesses of my retarded mind, but yes. Okay, so let's take a step back here. Let's look what we have. The whole planet is almost like covered in lava. Her house is fine. She's in this giant bedroom by herself. There's a radio. They have transporting matter disappearing walls. Where is her family? What is going on? Well, apparently, the family so, left. So apparently that she comes running back to get her radio because it's the only radio on the planet. Is this like a genius? Is this like Dexter's laboratory? Where she's the only one who invented a radio. I, I just don't know what's going on. So instead of well, okay. like, you can explain that by the fact that she's a kid, therefore she's fucking stupid. <laughs> well, okay, I, I I'll give you that. <clears throat> so it's a very cute scene. She's like, "Where are we going?" And he just points upward, and she she correct, correctly guesses to the stars. Yes, little uh, orphan Annie. Yeah. <laughs> Data, by the way, you don't have to physically restrain her when you're when you're transporting. Just just so you know, you 
You don't need to do that. She can just stand near you. It's fine. Okay, whatever, whatever, whatever makes you happy. All right, so they they transport up into the uh, uh, into the Enterprise, which Miles is like, ah, feck. <laughs> <laughs> I am not putting this in a report. This ain't my fault. No, I'm I going am, back to bed. Yeah, I am not dealing with this. There's some good racism here, though. Yeah. So Data asks where that. Riker is. He's on the bridge. Uh-huh. He goes to leave with Sergeanta, and uh, Miles is just like, "You're taking that with you." <laughs> Rude. Well, he, yeah, like he doesn't know what a child looks like. <laughs> Fucking ginger. <laughs> All right, so up on the bridge, everyone's pacing back and forth, looking very tense, waiting for Picard to fucking explode and start going <laughs> off the fan. Because they oh, all they stared... anything yet. Yeah, they're they're just waiting for him to lose his shit. Well, because Picard is impatiently waiting for Data to come back from the planet. Yeah, yeah. To come and he do said his he... damn job. Right to oversee the whole you know, resonance thing with the torpedoes. I like how Riker's like all like defensive, like oh he'll be here, don't you worry. Like it's a threat. It's so data. data shows... It's data. When has he ever compromised us before? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like over the past eight weeks, when has he ever compromised us? Right. Data, I mean, I really data has never in his whole history on this ship fucked us over. Right. I mean, like, I mean, and I would know. I mean, I've only been on the holodeck the entire time. So We've I'm... never been scalped deep in shit because of data before. <laughs> So now they're about to get over their heads because they just walked on the bridge with a small alien child that's covered in God knows what kind of parasites. <laughs> See all the sparkly shit in her hair? That's not supposed to be there. Well, no, it's a it's a natural uh, symbiotic life form that keeps her hair clean. Mm-hmm. It's called lice. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Data, uh, how Picard can't even be bothered to look at Data. He's like barking orders at Data, but he won't make well, eye Picard contact. Can... Picard can barely form words right now because, you know, there is a kid on the bridge. He brought a child on on his bridge and onto my bridge. I love the perfect storm of bringing a child onto the bridge, but specifically this child. (laughs) Yeah, a prime directive child. It's like, they has gone out of his way to piss off Captain Picard throughout the entire episode, culminating in this brilliant gag. <laughs> yeah, this would be funny if he goes, no, just kidding. You know, snaps his fingers, it's just a hologram. Fooled you! So, Riker is all like, I'm sure Data has a very good explanation. I do, sir. She was scared, and so... Yeah. Mr. Data, please kindly take your station. Whereas Troy spends ten minutes terrifying this poor creature. <laughs> Let me just touch you. Let me loom over you with my giant dark mane of hair. And, eh, eh. And the Do you want to go see a horse? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Data doesn't say anything to, to, to calm her either. He's just like, let's Troy go on for about ten minutes. Yeah. And then Data's finally like, no, <clears throat> Troy's cool. These are my friends. Yeah, they're fucking weird, but, you know. I'm in deep space, so I do the best I can with what I got. <laughs> so they they uh they fire their torpedoes, which is nice little special effects. You stand at the little glowing crevasse on the planet. And which then just stops glowing right away. Yeah. I mean the resonance activates and yeah, Wesley they said it would be almost immediate and he should know. He's he's uh the head of the geologic survey. So I hear. He's doing a great <laughs> job. All right, so he, 
So Dave starts explaining to Sarjinko, it's like, oh, we're fixing your planet. It was really fucked where we're fixing it. And Wesley's sitting there going, God damn it, I'm not the youngest person on the bridge anymore. This is bullshit. All right. Wesley's so just kind of they're stewing because, like, this was all his idea and his solution and everything, and Data's mm-hmm. totally getting the credit for it now. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who pressed the button, so he gets it. <laughs> I think, like, if Data hadn't, didn't have the child going on, everyone else would be thinking, oh, shit, Wesley is never going to shut up about this. <laughs> right. <laughs> secretly thankful that there's a distraction. And so Data, you know trying to break the prime drink as hard as he can he goes oh look there's your planet that's what it looks like from space the thing you're not supposed to know about yet <laughs> well, i think they know let about me tell space. you how to create a matter replicator yeah take a good long look how about a couple more rides through the transporter yeah. you'll need protection when you go back to your planet here take this phaser <laughs> right <laughs> so picard's like okay i've had enough of this bullshit i've got horses oh yeah and if, you wanna, if you want to call me in the future here use this com badge it works a lot better and take this book about gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very also, interesting. We get, some pretty, we get some pretty epic Riker side-eye, too, in, at the end of this scene. I mean, he's shooting phasers out of his corneas. Oh, my God. So the day is saved, and Picard orders Data to take Sarjenko to sick bay, and he immediately dashes off to his ready room to uh, call ahead to Pulaski. So, how about mind-wiping a child? Yeah, as soon as they get down there, if you could just lobotomize her, that'd be great. <laughs> so, which okay. has no problem with this whatsoever. One thing I kind of like is the techno babble that Pulaski uses because it sounds like it makes sense. It's totally pointless, though. There's no reason to have techno babble there. They didn't have to even do that. All they got to do is hit her on the head with a hammer a few times. <laughs> Bowling ball. <laughs> I, I just feel like she the idea of she's measuring the age of new chemical connections to determine when the memories were formed. Yeah, no, okay. I mean, it sure. all sounds plausible enough. Yeah. It feels yeah. actually more plausible than most Star Trek techno babble. Yeah. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. The techno babble in this episode is actually particularly good. I mean, I, I, I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, so Data walks Sergeant through the ship and down to the med bay, to which Pulaski's sitting there going, okay, gotta look busy, gotta look busy. What can I do to look busy when they get here? <laughs> I know. I'll have these two chemical vials. I'll stare at them and act surprised when they come in. Mm, oh, hey! I didn't know you guys would come down here. <laughs> Which one did I so shit in? Now, there's two flavors of Listerine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. No, one's gasoline, one's oil. Don't get them confused. <laughs> so, the little klepto reaches over and starts taking her Pulaski's ther- uh, therapeutic yoni stone. Oh, it's an Elenin singing stone. It, it it sings for different people. And Data's like, I'm not real. It doesn't sing for me. I don't have a soul. <laughs> of course, whatever Sir Jenkins picks up is just the red lobster theme. I kind of want to get that stone and, like, you know, stick it in my butt. Just, like, music <laughs> blasting out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. Than Listen to the song of my butt. Oh, I'm so sad the podcast is ending now, because that's a great intro quote. <laughs> I'm telling you, clip show. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so they, they take a small, innocent child from a pre-warp civilization and perform a uh, immoral medical procedure upon her without permission from of her parents. 
To which Pulaski, who is argumentative and denies everything the entire episode, is totally fine with this. Not a second's hesitation to lobotomize a child. Uh-huh. So, just, okay, I, that's just the way it is. Okay, all right, moving and on. Yet, of all the things to go into the ethical considerations on, and they choose not this one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but data erases it makes sense by prime directive standards. Like, if we just erase all trace of our presence, then we never broke the time prime directive. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it really works like retroactively that way, though. I mean, it's like saying, "Well, we interfered with this planet. If we just destroy the planet, then you know, no one's there to be corrupted." Yeah, I don't think destroying this child's memories and part of her brain is really fixing anything. Plasky, no, it, yeah, it kind of fixes her future because otherwise she's gonna be spouting much nonsense about aliens coming and take her into the stars, and they would probably lobotomize her there on her planet. Because six-year-olds never just make up shit. They might not. Everyone takes six-year-old ch- children seriously. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this fucking race does. I don't know. Um, so, so he trans- she's unconscious, so he data transports into a young girl's bedroom and sets her down. Wipes Just... off all his fingerprints. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and oh, leaves Pulaski's rock with her. Yeah, because God. you don't want to contaminate Ugh. anything. So, yeah, this is another one of those things like, why, episode? <laughs> it's a stone from a very particular geology that doesn't exist on this planet, and you're going to leave it there. So someone's going to find this thing and go, this rock does not exist anywhere in our periodic table of elements. What the fuck is this? Also, she doesn't remember ever encountering it, so what's the point? Because it's in her hand. So I like, I like the peaceful view of the planet is still like this molten hell. <laughs> I mean, that's actually one of the better points because like everything's not just all better immediately. You know, the ecosystem is still fucked up, but everybody's not going to die within the next couple weeks. Right. Maybe the next couple so of years. They're just going to starve uh, in the next couple. They're just going to starve over the next several months. Yeah. Right. So I do like the idea that, like, you know, a few hundred years when they start having, like, scientists and they can start doing, like, seismic uh, geology and stuff like this, they find these torpedo cases with these weird <laughs> resonance chambers, like, you know, a few hundred meters underneath the crush. Like, what the fuck is this? And they're going to think that the sort of caused the earthquakes and stuff that happened a couple hundred years ago. So they're going to come gunning for them. <laughs> and yes. so they remove them and then the earthquakes start happening again. Right, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like, how long are those resonance things going to last anyway? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they just did their thing and now they're dead, but whatever. So, we get up on the All bridge. and more like... coming soon to Star Trek Online. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, be careful. Don't say shit like that, because then it happens. <laughs> you bring up any minor anything from anywhere in, in Star Trek and it happens. All right. So you know what Star Trek Online to... is at this point? It's just uh, the Star Wars Expanded Universe for Star Trek. That's not far from the truth. Um, I know. I'm trying to ruin it for you. No, no. I mean, I like Expanded Universe stuff. Well, fuck. Uh, yeah, I know. Right? Luke. The uh, clone of Luke with Star the Wars? extra U. Yeah, Luke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, say I liked all Extended Universe <laughs> That was pretty fucking stupid. Anyway, so Wesley comes up on the bridge. Director's like, pats his lap and says, sit down. Wesley's like, no, sir, I think I'm good. <laughs> no, no one over here but us. Oh, and Worf, but he just likes to watch. He doesn't ever say anything. No, Troy likes to watch. We established that at the start of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. 
She doesn't like to ride. <laughs> no, I think I think at this point Troy's intent forward with the chocolate. So I, I don't know if Riker's trying to be nice or being a dick to us. They're going here, sit down to the captain's chair. Which is like, yeah, I don't fucking think so. You're not getting me again with that one. Because as soon as the car comes out of the corner, he's going to slap me. <laughs> Fool me once. Uh, what did you want to fat at me last time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a regenerator to get rid of the scar. Uh, so Wesley goes sits down, and Data walks on the bridge, and then averting eye contact with anybody, immediately walks into Picard's room. Ooh. I'm sorry. So, so Picard's reading a book about horses. Black <laughs> hmm. <Light> duty. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. You're like two seconds faster. Damn it. <laughs> oh, Black Beauty. What a gorgeous beast you are. Anyway, yeah, so Data's like, hey, sorry about lying to you for about two months about breaking the Prime Directive. You know, something that would probably put me in jail normally. Sorry for coercing all of you and going along with it with me. Right. Uh, oh, and thanks for, like, trying to figure out a way to outsmart the Prime Directive. I kind of appreciate that. Oh, my God. This is totally going in my report that you welcomed my thank of you breaking the Prime Directive. So your career's over. <laughs> All right, so Sergica's home, which I guess we just have to take their word for it. Pretty sure her house collapsed into a chasm after this, but whatever. <laughs> so Data reply, uh, basically repeats what Pulaski told him earlier, which is, "Oh, she won't remember me, but I'll remember her, so everything's fine." And and <laughs> Picard's like, "Yep, that's what it means to be human: regret." <laughs> 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 Like every moment that you're not on the back of a horse. <laughs> Pure regret. And, and scene. That's, that's it. So, yeah, very weirdly paced. Amazing scenes mixed with some just stupid shit. But <laughs> still, I mean, kind of better than I thought it was going to be. I like the B-plot with Picard and the horse. <laughs> what they could show on camera, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, so, yeah, so that was Pen Pals. I just don't know why okay. all that horse stuff was even in there, though. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean. Picard it... said, too. All <laughs> <laughs> the horse stuff is doing in there. How did that get there? <laughs> but none of it's necessary to either story the episode's telling, so it doesn't, I don't get why they did that. Like, I joked on Twitter earlier, like, oh, the episode came in under budget. We better go rent a horse in a park for an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Buy Patrick a sweater and a hat. <laughs> but apart from that, there's no, episode. there's no good reason for any of that to be there. No, no, it's just, it's kind of strange. Um, I, I guess they're trying to build. I mean, it's, it's second season, so still, still trying to build up the characters. I guess they're trying to make Picard more hoity-toity, cultured. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to relatable. Yeah, I don't yes. really know if they accomplished any of that with this. Yeah. Instead, <clears throat> we've just turned it into Picard having a horse fetish. Yeah, and it's just kind of a you know a high class stuck up prick. <laughs> He's so French, he has an English accent. <laughs> Yeah, my ancestors with the Battle of Trafalgar. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but anyway, so that was Pin Pals. Aren't we happy? Are we? <laughs> so am. next week? That's a good ah, question. Deep Space Nine Civil Defense from Season 3, I want to say. Civil Defense. Okay. 
Wait, which one is that? That sounds. Fam- Why does that sound familiar? It's uh, Civil Defense from season three. I will slide it in civilly. DS9. Because I watched a, a, a YouTube video earlier uh, today about the uh, some of the worst Star Trek episodes. Ah, uh, the things you do when you're on the clock for the government. <laughs> hey, I'm still coding. <laughs> I can multitask. Oh, this is the security system one. Oh, okay, yeah, this guys you guys were talking about last time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Seven. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, season three, episode seven, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Then have Merry Holidays, and then Warp 10. This podcast will, podcast will finally reach Warp 10. Hey, Mickey, will you have my creepy salamander babies? Of course. Uh, I knew I could count on you. Just as long as we abandon them somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, that goes without saying. Who wants to commit to raising kids? I mean... Especially salamander babies. (laughs) Well, if they kept them, you know, Neelix would just cook them. (laughs) Yeah. We should save all this for the actual episode, though. And And Ken should be here, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we always threatened him that when we brought him back, it'd be for a Voyager episode. And it will be. It will be. Oh, it will be. Yep. Good. Looking forward to it. Should be fun. No. It should be fun to end everything. Yes. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be. You know, we get to do whatever the fuck we want. It's the last episode. What could happen? What are they going to do? Cancel us? <laughs> what? The FBI got to We're about to retire. Us? Yes. <laughs> we two weeks got. Left. <laughs> Yes, yes, live forever. 